Today's gospel is from Matthew chapter 21. This will serve as the basis for the sermon today. We hear Jesus engage regarding his authority with the Pharisees and the temple leaders at the temple. Jesus entered the temple courts, and while he was teaching, the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him. By what authority are you doing these things, they asked. And who gave you this authority? Jesus replied, I will also ask you one question. If you answer me, I will tell you by what authority I am doing these things. John's baptism. Where did it come from? Was it from heaven or of human origin? They discussed it among themselves and said, If we say from heaven... He will ask, then why didn't you believe him? But if we say, of human origin, we are afraid of the people, for they all hold that John was a prophet. So they answered Jesus, we don't know. Then he said, neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. What do you think? There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, Son, go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered. But later he changed his mind and went. Then the father went to the other son and said the same thing, Go and work today in the vineyard. He answered, I will, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did what his father wanted? The first, they answered. Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe him. The Gospel of the Lord. Dear friends and servants of the Lord Jesus Christ, in whom we put our hope and trust and under whose word we live and have our being, I have to admit I have a problem. I think you would admit the same. There are those times in life that are where you grow up and you keep growing up and part of growing up is getting to know better and better the problem. It's a hard part of growing up. It's a growing up into an awareness of yourself, the problem that we have with sin. Do you find yourself scratching your head sometimes and you're like, how do I keep doing this? How do I keep doing the same thing? How do I keep sinning in the same way? How can I, like anger, like you think maybe take anger and make a little bit of you know, progress and I'm just, you know, after 15 years of being angry, I'm just not so angry anymore. You don't hear that very often, do you? Uh, why can't we just change? Why can't we just like jump out of who we are and be the pe people that we want to be? Instead, there's this, there's this nagging issue. There's these recurring things that come back and, and bite us. And 
we recognize the struggle. Sometimes we even express it as something of a confusion, like, like why? Why do I keep, you know, that is a confusion aspect to it. Why do I keep doing this? Why is it still like this for me? And it's something we don't have the obvious answer, and it's something we can't just like, ah, I'm going to read, I'm going to read this. I read this paragraph, totally changed my life, and yet it did totally didn't change my life. <laughs> you ever had some of those things? You read something, you're like, oh, this is a game changer for me, and then it wasn't a game changer? Or it was like, a, you know, five-minute changer? Or a couple-day changer or something? And you just, you feel like there's, there's this me that's going to stay me, and I, it's not the way it's supposed to be. This is an ongoing, like, consciousness and conversation that I think Christians, we often have one of the struggles in dealing with ourselves. One of the struggles of our growing up into Christ is the it's wrestling with that disparity, with that gap, and that sinful nature, we call it. What would it be like if you had a therapist to go and see, and that therapist was such an expert on you, that knew you better than you, and so much so that the expert in the room could talk to you about the problem, could talk to you about where it came from, what it's like right now, and what it's going to be like in the future. What if you had an expert that um, was so good at you that it was a strict teacher-student environment where the session wasn't, tell me about your life, tell me about the important influences, let's go over the things that are meaningful to you or your biggest struggles, the things that you're saying to yourself, and I'm going to take notes, I'm going to compile the evidence, I'm going to get through the information, we'll deal with, with your identity and, and things like that. What if they didn't need any of that? And it was just there, the moment was more fit for them to do all the talking and for you to do all the listening. That, my dear friends, is what it's like when Jesus speaks. We have a counselor in our God. And he doesn't look at you and say, hmm, now there's a mystery sinner. How am I going to help that one? He doesn't ask those kinds of questions and gather and collect information. Jesus came with heaven's wisdom into our world to give help. He, he has this hand that he outstretches and he says, I know just where to take you. I know just what kind of water you are drowning in. I know just the very sins and temptation. I know its nature. I know the devil. I know this world. I know what it's like. And here I can, I can be your guide. I know what, how to get you out of this mess. When it's all the maze to us, it all is the might and the majesty of God to come and speak and reach and take. This is the, this is the fullness that the word of God brings into your life is not, let me guess and theorize with you about this one, but let me share the truth. And you have in today's gospel a really special time because we, whether you remember this or not, it's okay, we just entered Holy Week. It's Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21, 1 to 11, Palm Sunday. 
and Jesus enters Jerusalem, and you know what he has come to do in that week of weeks. And here's Jesus on Tuesday of Holy Week. We call it Busy Tuesday because many of the Gospels have all these stories and interactions and challenges by the religious authorities like we have here today and the responses of Jesus, the teaching of Jesus. It was Busy Tuesday and Jesus' mouth, Jesus' mouth, that that hand that's reaching out, the one that says, I know where to go. Jesus' mouth was there in the middle of the temple to take these people where they needed to go and to help them deal with themselves that they couldn't even figure out, right? So so here he is in the thick of it. Here he is right there in the temple. And he's teaching. And it's also in this occurrence that you get to meet the the members of the Jewish ruling council. There's two phrases, the chief priests and the elders of the people. They were supposed to be like the compass for people. We're the ones who can help you, point you in the right direction. We know what's prophetic. We know what is the word of God. We're the teachers and the explainers. We're the ones that do all this like guiding and leading of the spiritual people Israel. And so they claimed this for themselves. But... Jesus had just come through and flipped the tables. He had overturned temple life because he recognized that everything happening inside it was not really of God. It was all just this nice-looking veneer, but it had nothing to do inside with what God was really after in the hearts of his people. People were not growing up into God. They were growing up without him. They were not growing up into God in the meaning and the fullness of his word. They were growing up in the words of men. They were growing up in the advice and counsel of people that were failing them as shepherds, as spiritual shepherds. And it's these religious authorities, self-proclaimed religious authorities, who come up and say to Jesus, by what authority do you do these things? And this is where I'd really like you to pay attention because we've been talking about the struggle we have to make sense of a sinful nature, and you get to see the full rebellious animal inside in the ways these chief priests and elders of the people deal with Jesus. They come up to him with this innocent-sounding question. It's sort of challenging him, but they're saying, by what authority do you do these things and where did you get it? By what authority? It's kind of like, hey, it sounds like you're a stranger in town. What are you doing flipping tables in the temple? What are you doing teaching in these courts and setting yourself up in this way? What are you, what are you doing walking around and gathering a following for yourselves and, and, and leading people as if you're the great leader? You know, where did you get this authority? But we're doing this in Holy Week, Right? Jesus has been walking in public ministry for how many years? Three years. He's not a stranger to Jerusalem. In fact, he had come and flipped the tables of Jerusalem once before in the beginning of his ministry. He already told them the tables needed to be turned. He already told them this is not anything having to do with God. We need to make some changes around here. We need to move in a different direction. But they come up just because what? In their hearts, they wanted to challenge him. They wanted to get more ammunition to string him up and kill him. 
If we can just get some, let's get some more words. Why don't, maybe we'll get him to claim to be God again. And that's all the blasphemy we'll need. We can all tear our robes and throw our hands up in the air. And how dare you step foot in this temple and say this about yourself? He deserves to die, don't you all think? You all heard it, all you pilgrims around here for the Passover. You all heard the blasphemy in your own ears. I mean, they're loving to do that. They're chomping at the bit. Do you remember that phrase in 1 Corinthians? The Jews demand miraculous signs and the Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. And there's something about that that is like bent, like like bending hard metal, stiff-necked and hard-hearted. It's just bent in the wrong direction. They just demand these miraculous signs and then you do something and they ignore it. And they demand a miraculous sign and then you do something and they ignore it. Everybody around had been showing respect to Jesus and they could testify to the things that they did that they could not explain. How did you hear that blind man? Now he heard you walked on water. What about the feeding of 5,000 or driving out demons? Driving out demons in public. How did you pull this off? Jesus had all this behind him. And then they come up and they say, what kind of authority do you have? And where did it come from? As if they were clueless about Jesus. And Jesus responds in a way that says, I know what game you're playing. And he introduces to them a question for them. Can you tell me this was their job, by the way. If you want your salary at the end of the year, chief priest and elder of the people, then you should be able to sift out who's a prophet and who's not a prophet. So tell me about John the Baptist. You who are so good at pointing people in the right spiritual direction. Was John the Baptist well known? Again, everybody had heard about him. Was John the Baptist a prophet from heaven or speaking with his own mouth? And then they're going to do something secret so that Jesus can't hear them. And they're going to be all like manipulative in the moment, you know, but Jesus won't know it. Wait a second. This is a tough question because if we say from heaven, he'll be like, then how come you didn't jump in the Jordan River and get baptized if his message to you was from heaven? Because none of you got baptized. And if we say from He's just from human origin. Then all the people are going to be upset. And we love, we live on the favor of the people. We can't like hurt their feelings, especially right now, all these crowds of people that get to look at us in our flowing robes. We can't offend the people right now. We love their praise. And all the people, listen to this. Listen, and all the people consider him, John the Baptist, to have been a prophet. So many around us say he was a prophet. The camel's hair and the grasshoppers, but more than that, the word and the authority with which he spoke, just like Jesus spoke with authority. That was kind of the reputation that he has. But here's the minority. Do you catch this? You might think that you run on common sense. You might think that you run on this like program thing, like just tell me the right thing and I'll do the right thing. It's that simple. Slam dunk. That's the kind of creature that I am. I'm such a good person. And then you, you really wrestle with this animal inside. You wonder what your sinful nature is really like. You see it. These chief priests are saying, everybody else thinks of John the Baptist as a prophet, but we sure don't. They're bent. You see that? 
they're bent. A bending is a perversion. They are bent and they are twisted and they are, they are wrong about this, but they refuse to admit it. They, they, they believe they're walking the straight and narrow. And you, you kind of catch that they won't even reflect on the fact that all these other people consider John the Baptist, but we're going to draw a little circle around us and say, not us. We know better than all of you. And we can skirt the evidence and make a claim for ourselves. We are still the only ones who speak for God, and John the Baptist was wrong. But shh, we're not going to tell you right now because we're all being friends. Do you sense that? Do you sense that aspect of their stubbornness? So Jesus says this <laughs> common sense thing. He appeals to their thinking. He says, all right, if you're going to come back and say, we don't know anything, and you're going to hide your answer, what do you think, he says? I'll leave this to your good judgment. You ready? A father had two sons. And he said to the first son, go and work today in the vineyard. And that first son said, no, not doing it. I'm staying here. Absolutely not. Work? I'm not working for you. Not working today. Completely rebellious spirit. What kind of a son is that, right? Everybody knows and gets it that this is wrong. That this son, no son should treat their father in such a disrespectful way. Absolutely not. No, not going. Not going to work. Good, good idea, Dad, but not for me. But later, he changed his mind. Later, maybe his shoulders fell. Maybe he felt bad about it. He changed his mind, he turned, and he got to work in the vineyard under his father's word. And then there was a second son. The father said the same thing to him. Go and work today in the vineyard. And the, the son said, yeah, dad, mm -hmm. absolutely, that's what I should do. I, sir, right? With a big old salute and a big smile on his face. And dad, I love you, you love me, and I am a dad kind of guy. I, am a, I'm a, I love my father. And I, I love that word. I love that idea. I love that command. I will do that. I will do that thing. And then his feet didn't move. And he didn't go put his boots on and grab his gloves and get his hands dirty in the vineyard. He just stayed put. Do you notice there's something wrong with both of them? But Jesus says to these religious leaders, which one? I leave this to your good judgment. Which one of them did what his father wanted? Which would you take? The son that says no at first, but ends up in reality under the father's word working in the vineyard. Or would you take the son that says, I serve, but doesn't go anywhere. Guess which one the chief priests picked? The first one, they said, Jesus. You left this to our thinking, and the first one. The first one, that first one where you say, oh, he was such a stinker. What a little rebel to talk back to his dad that way. But he ended up in the vineyard and the chief priests say, that one, that's the one. And then Jesus says, guess which son you are. John the Baptist came preaching a righteousness to show you the way of righteousness, but you didn't believe in him. But all the tax collectors and the prostitutes, all those who say, we don't care about 
somebody else's money. We're too greedy inside. We're going to go do our own thing. We don't care about sexual morality. We're prostitutes. We've given our life to this. We're not living under God or his authority. No, I'm not going to go work in your vineyard. But they changed their hearts at the word of John the Baptist, and they got baptized in the Jordan River. Meanwhile, these chief priests and the religious elite who were stuck on their own claims to themselves, they were the ones who were saying, oh yeah, John, you talk about righteousness. We talk about righteousness. Same language, we got it. We don't need your washing. We don't need your help. We're already good in that camp. You deal with all those really wicked people that are out there. Do you see which ones you are? And you said you preferred, I'm sorry, you preferred which scenario? I tell you the truth, the tax collectors and the prostitutes, here's where you get really low. The tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of heaven ahead of you. You hear that? You hear they went all the way to the bottom ahead of you. This, my dear friends, is the it's the hard work of Scripture. I know that I said before, we, we grow up in a hard way with this, the mystery to our own madness, maybe a sinful nature that we, we don't want to really own up to its fullness. We don't really understand its totality. And then the Word of God says that you're sinful by nature and you look at babies and you don't believe it. You look at yourself and you say, there's got to be some good left in me. And you kind of get a little hard-hearted and stubborn about that Word of God and you don't want, want to just get under it. But there will be no growing up into Christ if we don't grow up into his words. And part of that is growing down under every last word he says so that all of us would go under the waters we have to be pushed under of baptism, that all of us would fall under the waters of repentance. And truly, this is not something we can do by ourselves. Because I have a, a nature that always says, I don't care if I'm the last person on the planet to be called a sinner. I'm drawing the circle. I'm living in the minority. They can all say that there is a God. They can all say that he's holy, but I, I don't think I got anything to worry about. And maybe that confession of sins is, I've sinned against you in thought, word, and action. Well, actually, I can't think of one right now, but I'll say the line because I'm worshiping in church. And I have a sinful nature, and I deserve to be punished. I plead for your mercy. I'm kind of saying the words right now, but my sinful nature hasn't been much of a problem lately for me. You see how many games we play? See how many tricks are up our sleeve? Where does this come from? And it's only the word of Scripture that would help you see it. And you hear this last line of today's reading. And it says, the tax collectors and the prostitutes listened to John the Baptist, and Jesus says to them, even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe him. Even after you saw it, you didn't go. My brothers and sisters in Christ, the Holy Spirit, we prayed that the Holy Spirit would rule and govern our hearts, for without him we get nowhere. We're praying for what? Do you know what we're praying for? That God's word, thanks be to God, 
Praise be to you, O Christ, that that sound of God's word would come in and enter our territory and be the only teacher and would be the only authority, with the only expert in the room. You talk, we listen, please. Because otherwise I'm never going to understand. I'm never going to get to the bottom of it, and I'm never going to know what to do about it. But God in his authority, this is what he does. He serves you. God with his authority, he serves you, and he comes and he talks about you, and he helps you right? This is what Jesus actually did, is in his authority, being the expert on you, what did he do? He made himself nothing, because you are nothing, and he took on the form of a servant, because we have the form of servants and the needy ones under. We're an under kind of people, and Jesus went under, and even being found in human form, he went to the bottom of the barrel, right where we are found with the chief priests underneath the tax collectors and the prostitutes. He went there, and he made himself nothing and became obedient to death, even death on a cross, because of what it would mean for you so that he could become the expert when it comes to sin, the teacher, when it comes to hell, and the ruler over death, that he would be crowned in every place where we needed crowning, that he would be healing for every place we were sick and diseased. This is what Jesus came to do with his authority. And he, what do we hear after being found in the words of Scripture? after we're being found in the words of repent and be washed, after being found in the category of sinner and chiefs of sinners though I be. That in the authority of Christ, by Christ and his authority, I forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Do you hear those words anew? By the authority that he has, to move you out from being just sinner, to move you out from your lowly place and speak to you, Father and Son, Father with the children. This is the gift of our Savior Jesus. This is what he does with our mess. This is the hand that he extends to you through his word, which is not just teaching but spirit and life. My dear brothers and sisters, let us be found under the words of Scripture. Let us be found in the words of the psalmist, like, to you, O Lord, I lift my soul. I have such a need. I don't know what to do with this soul. Please, please deal with it. Please speak to it. Please give it your words. Let me fall under all of them. This is how we grow up into greater maturity to live our lives under God and under all of his words as we recognize they shelter us. We recognize they bring us to truth and clarity and wisdom. We recognize that there is no place I can be or exist. There's nothing I can claim outside the words of my God. And that, that is our starting point. And that's where we go. And now I can say, how do I, how do I thank you? How then shall I live? And we're going to talk about seeking fruits next week. So let us grow up into Christ by growing down underneath all of his words. And then we'll say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And he'll tell us exactly how to bear more abundant fruit. This, this under the words of God, this is what today's scripture says is obedience. 
the obedient son that put on the boots and put on the gloves and went where the word took him, where the word of his father set his feet, and he was blessed. It was better to be there by far. Amen.